This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, this is Adam, and uh, this is the Out of Bounds Podcast. Uh, I even did that backwards today. Um, before we jump into the episode with Chris Rubens, which I think you all really enjoy, um, I just wanted to say a quick couple things about the passing of my friend and all of our friends, Kyle Smain. Um, I'm so sad about it. I'm so bummed. It still honestly doesn't feel real. Um, passed away yesterday in Japan. Like, I didn't even know that shit happened there. You know, like, you don't hear about it there nearly ever. And everybody is uh, is completely gutted. Obviously, it's sad to lose any friend, but Kyle in particular was such a bright light to all of us. He is such a unique human being and was so positive the whole time. He he has always been good to us. He's always been good to me. He's always been helpful even when he had no reason to be. He was he was there being positive and just trying to help in any way that he could. I uh I love that dude. He he's great and I can't I can't say enough good things about him and I think that's unanimous across the entire industry right now is yeah, people are shook completely. So Obviously, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family, Jenna. It's, uh, you don't know what to do when that kind of stuff happens. And uh, and I can't imagine. Yeah, I know it's not very easy right now, and I don't know that it'll ever be that easy. So, yeah, much love to them. And, uh, yeah, call a friend. Tell him you love him. And uh, rest in peace to Kyle's main. Um, okay. feels weird to talk about anything else after that, of course. But uh, Chris Rubens, we talk about everything from new product in 2023, 24, what he likes about it, what he doesn't. Um, we talk about... We talk about all kinds of stuff, including avalanche safety and rescue. We talk about... We talk about a lot. So really great episode. Chris is a legend and I am thrilled to have him on. I've wanted to have him on for a very long time. He recently just made the switch from Solomon to Atomic um, after being with Solomon for a very long time. Uh, and he kind of talks about how his career has changed over the past few years as well. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I really enjoyed talking to Chris. Before we jump into the show, a couple quick ads from our sponsors uh, that make this show happen, that make this whole thing run. First, Alpine Vans is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast. If you are looking for a new adventure rig this season, please check out alpinevans.com. Uh, I got to drive one around for a few months, and obviously my word when it comes to adventure vans does not mean nearly as much as the other Alpine Vans ambas- ambassador and Cody Townsend. That dude's been driving one of those around, and you've seen it in the 50 Project for years now. It is a phenomenal machine. They're built extremely well. The attention to detail on this, like I wish you could have heard the things that Todd was saying to me when he was like, oh, this is the one that's not nice, right? Like this is our test van. And I'm like looking at it and like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. 
And then he shows me like the ones that they complete and, you know, send out to customers. And it is bonkers, like how perfect these things are. And you're like, holy shit, I did not think. Like it's nicer than my house, genuinely. So uh, solar, bed, kitchen, like whole deal. Like this thing is fully kitted. You can check it out. I'm sure you've seen it on our Instagram, but you can go to alpinevans.com and check out more. And if you're interested, email Todd at alpinevans.com for more info today. We also have Fisher Skis as a sponsor of the Adamons podcast. Fisher has been a phenomenal partner to us. They're one of my favorite, they're actually my favorite people to work with, like point blank. New Ranger series is out now. Obviously, go ski that stuff. I've been skiing the 108 lately a lot, even on groomers, and I love that ski. It's my favorite ski in the line by far. It's stable. It's fun. It's energetic. There is, like, there's nothing I can find that I dislike about that ski. Honestly, probably my favorite ski this year, regardless of the fact that we work with them. Obviously, a little hard to be unbiased, whatever, whatever. But I think you can ask anybody what their favorite ski in the Ranger lineup is, and they'll say the 108. It's, it's so good. Also... New bow boots are coming out for the fall. We have all the new info on the YouTube page. Go to the Out of Collective YouTube channel. And then Christoph from Fisher and I break down bow boots uh, from Fisher and everything new. They also have zip fit liners that are going to be in stock boots next year. So check that stuff out. We also, also have Cannon Mountain as a sponsor of the Adamons podcast. Let's just go skiing. Me, you, your friends, like let's let's all go skiing at Cannon. It's been skiing phenomenally. I got a pow day last week there, and it uh, looks like there's more on the way. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to go skiing, if nothing else. And it just so happens that it is the best skiing in New Hampshire, point blank, and some of the best skiing in New England. Go to cannonmt.com, book your tickets ahead of time, and let me know. Hit slide in the DMs, hit me up on Instagram. Let's uh, let's go skiing. Cool. Now into our episode with Chris Rubens. All right, cool. Chris, uh, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can roll on from there. Uh, yeah, my name's Chris Rubens. Um, lived in Revelstoke for 16 years now and been a professional skier for, well, this would be my 20th year, I guess, kind of as a professional skier. Um, kind of done mostly filming and photos for most of it. Um, kind of bounced around between different companies doing this and that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm mostly ski tour. That's where I spend like most of my time, um, is in the backcountry. Uh, so I have like a, I'm an ambassador with the Canadians at Canadian avalanche association. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, that was kind of like near and dear to my heart for a long time. I mean, it still is, but I feel like that kind of messaging, we've done like a really good job of talking about that as a industry Um, and kind of like in the last five or six years kind of shift my focus to like climate change stuff so um, yeah yeah Yeah, it seems like it's all gone in a positive direction in terms of like avi education people being aware that they at least need some background information and like and obviously like experience is important too it's funny like I was every time before I do an interview, I'm like bopping around on the internet, like just Googling shit. And one of the first things that came up was that rescue that you did a few years ago, like, and that super lucky Noah, like his head popped up and it all worked out well, but it's like your composure in that 
that's like, I guess, where the experience aspect of things comes in because like somebody else at the top of that is, you know, freaking the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, and so like the thing you're talking about that was, um, was shooting with Noah Morrison, um, with, uh, like a forecast ski project and he unfortunately got in a slide. And so that was two winters ago. So, um, I mean, it, I mean, I can just say like in the 20 years I've been doing this, that was the first time that I've actually had to like take my beacon out and, um, really like go, go through the process. Um, yeah, obviously I've done lots of practicing, um, which is, is kind of crazy. Like that whole, you know, you, you do all this training and, but you still have no idea how you're going to react in a situation. You're like, am I going to freak out or, um, (laughs) You, you just, you know, like, you, I mean, you hope that you're going to keep your composure. <laughs> right. Um, but that, that is totally why you do the training. And, and for me, um, like you, you, and I've heard people talk about this is like, I, I wasn't really thinking I was just doing, like, I, I don't right. remember taking my beacon out. I don't remember really doing the things. Um, they were just so like, instinctual um and then at the same token like you talk about like flow states uh i had about a million thoughts going through my head that had nothing to do like i mean he had just had a kid and his wife and i got that was going through your head and you're like why is this going through my head right now (laughs) but all the at the same time you're like totally doing your rescue it's like crazy they're just like time time really slows down um and I'm sure like in the grand scheme of things, those thoughts are like milliseconds that are going in and out of your head. But um, yeah, you just, your brain's moving so fast um, that time kind of like slows down. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, go ahead. I was just going to say like my kind of like two takeaways from that is like, is, is that, and then the fact that, um, I've been doing it this long and that's like the only time that I've actually had to like do that scenario. You know, there's been times where people have gotten sloughed and stuff like that, but it's always, always on top or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What, how, I, what do you think it is that lets you keep calm? Like, cause even, I mean, you're, you're wearing a camera during this, right? Like, and people can find this video if they want to for sure. But the thing that was most surprising to me was like, during that process you're basically just like on you're ready to go like no like you kind of did what you needed to do like almost on autopilot like how do you do that without without actually having that scenario happen before you know what i mean yeah i mean i think that's just the training like that's the because you're you're not calm inside your head Um, like you're, you're you're freaking out inside your head but that but you you know you're like okay like you you like i guess that's what i mean when you you stop thinking you're just kind of like okay now i get the like it was very like how do i get down to him like in in this scenario i had to like go quite far around and um i i knew the zone so i knew i had to go out left to get down to him and and it wasn't until then that i brought my beacon out and like got through like kind of the hang fire section um and then as and then you got your beacon out and then you start zigzagging and looking for clues and 
it's really just that like step-by-step process, I guess you'd like, um, and I think doing in doing that, that calms you down, you know, you, you're like, mm-hmm. um, like in, I guess in, in your brain, maybe you're like looking at the big picture of like, Holy crap. He's under the snow. He just got an avalanche. Like this is really bad. So your brain's right. freaking out, but then you like have to start somewhere. So you're like, you just start at the beginning of all your training and you start going through the steps. And that's like the point of the training is you're like systematically going through something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess, I, I guess I find that a lot of, in a lot of things I do in my life, it, um, like climate change is another one or, or, um, uh, and I, I got this analogy from like Greg Hill is like when you're climbing big mountains, if you stand at the bottom of the mountain and look up and you're like, whoa, this thing's huge. Like, there's no way I can get up there. But if you start breaking it down into little sections and you're like, okay, like, Mm. let's go for, let's go for an hour and then we'll have a snack and see where we're at. And, you know, you do that a couple of times and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, the the summit's like right there. Like I I can totally make it, you know, it's like making, making those like big problems, smaller problems. And then it all of a sudden everything becomes a bit more surmountable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the, yeah, the lack of panic, I think is the thing that, cause there's gotta be a feeling of like complete hope. Like I've luckily it never had anyone get buried, but like, there's gotta be a feeling of like hope, hopelessness, right. That like for a split second, that kind of seeps in where you're like, fuck, like what, like this is a lot of space, right? Like this is a lot of space to cover. It's a lot of distance. Like what the fuck can I do? Right. But I guess that process kind of lets you, you have something to lean back on. Yeah. And, and I mean, um, I guess the, I wouldn't say like hopelessness in this scenario. It's like, you're like, I got to like nail this rescue. Mm. Cause you're kind of like thinking like failure is not an option. Um, I mean, you're going to yeah. just give her until you get them out. Um, and hopefully the scenario is okay. But I think like, until you, do that you're just like you're just like one step okay like you do your search and then you got your your probe and then you start digging and um the whole thing like you just you're going until um proven otherwise basically i guess um but yeah i mean it is it is a it's the reality of playing in the mountains you know (laughs) yeah yeah it's part of it it's it's funny like there's a lot of people in my life that don't ski or snowboard and the question always comes up where it's like is this even worth it like do people even like why do you what's the purpose of any of this yeah and and you know what like i mean for backcountry skiing in general like right i mean this isn't like a blanket statement but to some degree that's what makes it fun is the risk (laughs) Um, yeah if you knew if you knew every time the slope was absolutely not going to avalanche. It would right. be less, somewhat less fun. Like kind of the, some of the fun of it is like, like exploring these, like <clears throat> getting as much information as possible and making these educated guesses. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I mean, there's some science involved, but it, it, it is a lot of just like data collection and, and trying to like analyze that data. Um, I mean, it seems like the older you get at it, the bigger safety margin you give yourself. 
um, yeah. on that sort of sort of thing. Like, uh, like for example, currently, like uh, in Revelstoke, we have like a really um, we're kind of experiencing a pretty terrible s- snowpack overall, yeah. um, and so it's just like your safety margins for things things just go way up um, for me yeah. for me anyways, and and most experienced people, it's just like it's just not a season to push it um at this point um things can change but um but then there's still like tons of things you can ski Um, right like you know pillows and in the trees and um you can totally have fun it's just like maybe cool the jets on that objective you've had in your brain for however many years you know and 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 that being said it's you know like winter's long it it, right can totally totally shape up by the the spring or whatever so right but yeah but we all humans aren't very good at patience so that's what i was just gonna say it's like it's such a hard thing like and especially when it's your job right you're like in the back of your head there has to be this thing that's like okay like this is the job right so like not letting that affect your decision making is is also another thing that maybe you don't even think of at this point but it's also another thing that that does exist somewhere in the back of your head but i mean i I think that's like so a lot of the filming I've done over the years has been travel filming. Yeah. Um, okay. Like early on with like Solomon TV, like we did all these like places and, and you'd get into all these different snow packs. And a lot of the times it was like, not that, that good or whatever, or, yeah. or you just, or you just never had enough time to like dive into it to like really feel good about doing things. So um, I think, I think something that I've done a very good job of in my career is like, being able to be like, okay, this is like the scenario. These are the conditions. Like, what can we do and do it safely? So sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to go do one turn wonders in the trees. It's like not really what everybody wants to do, except for the photographer. They'll be stoked. Um, right. <laughs> but like, it's, it's not the, the funnest part of being a pro skier, but the, the big faces or even the small faces might not be an option at that time, but you're on this trip, people are paying a bunch of money for you to be there. Um, and you need to like come back with something. Um, yeah, but, but it's not worth anyone's life or limb or anything like that. So you're like, you're like, okay, like what, what can we do? What, what can we do in this, in these safety margins? And then at the same time, sometimes you go there and it's like, you're like, it's really good right now. Like, let's go hit it. Like, um, and I think, I think that's like, the key in my mind is like knowing when it's time to, to like, to like really go for it. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's all changed, you know, like back in the day, like back in the old matchstick days, we would spend <laughs> most of the season filming for one segment, you know? Yeah. We'd go out all, all season. And then, I mean, the reality was is most of your segment got filmed in like two or three days of the year. And, you bet you were out there like for the whole year to get those two or three days. And yeah, um, that's when it all went down and it's perfect and it's amazing. And um, it's, it, I mean, in some sense it's when it's good, it's easy. You know, yeah. It's right. Like, it's um, it, everything feels good. Nothing like it, like you're scared, but you're not um, you're scared. Cause you're, I mean the, the Hugo Harrison line, you, if it if you're not scared it's not going to make the movie so 
there there is an element of fear of what you're skiing but it's not fear like that you're gonna get in an avalanche um right it's it's fear that you're you're pushing your limits um physically yeah is there why has that changed now for you right like i mean it's and in general right like it seems like film skiing has changed altogether in the past especially the past decade but like what what has changed for you in your mind i mean the big thing is time commitments you know it's like you go you go on a um you go on a two-week trip and it's going to be like a segment in the movie maybe part of the segment that you're building for the like your own personal segment for the movie you're going to be doing social media while you're there. You're going to do social media while you're away from it. Like the social right. media thing. It's like, it's just like constant, like so much content creation. Um, yeah. It's like, we're, we're a hungry, hungry breed for content. So um, you just like, keep, keep pushing it out there. Um, and, and then, I mean, all these things, it's like budgets get smaller. I mean, I mean, sometimes they get bigger, but nobody ever says that to you. Yeah, not that often. Every year, it's yeah, it's smaller this year. Like my budgets are getting cut. Like it's like yeah. I mean, maybe that maybe they are, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. They seem to be getting smaller every year. But <laughs> <clears throat> but that being said, there's like way more like pro skiers out there. Um, right. There's way more projects. Like there's not just the Matchstick and TGR of the world. There's like a lot of like athlete projects there's a lot of different um a lot of i mean solomon tv was kind of like the first of that style where they started like bringing it in-house um where it seems more and more companies are are going down Mm -hmm. that direction of like being in control of their own content Um, yeah but yeah it's it's um yeah just being efficient with your your time and money i think is has a big big part of it whereas i think back in the day the you know the the thing with matchstick is you'd go on a trip and it wasn't necessarily going to be in the movie Um, yeah whereas now most of the time it's going to be in the movie um because a sponsor has paid or they're getting a deal or something like that and that's just part part of part of the progression and then we'll be social media our way along and all the things. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, that whole thing has obviously changed the whole dynamic of not just of film skiing, but of skiing in general, right? Like it's, it's put everything in such a weird place where everything's out there and it's awesome because you have the, it like information is out there, but it's also like this, it's so bizarre to just have that much information so like no one actually digests anything anymore i was reading something the other day about like how everybody has all of this information so everybody just gets like bits and pieces now and no one actually understands anything that they're talking about or anything that they're anything that they're bringing themselves into because they just pull the little bit that someone shows on the internet and they hold on to that yeah yeah i mean it's it's pretty wild i mean you have to I mean, Candide has the best internet approach for sure. He like doesn't <laughs> doesn't doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything, and then like posts like once or twice a year and blows up the internet, and then you don't hear yeah. about him for another year. <laughs> you're like, you're crushing it, dude. Yeah, 
That's the way. That's the way. If everybody, yeah, but not everybody can do that shit. Like that shit is just like it's perfect. I'm convinced these like filmed all this shit years ago, like and it doesn't even exist any. Like it's just like clips that he's storing two or three a year and just fucking putting them out. Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised at all. Like, I don't know, whatever he's doing, he's genius about it for sure. And well, he's also like an incredible skier that helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that also helps. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what do you, do you think he's got, like, what do you think his ski program is? Like, I thought we were going to hear something about what's like, that was like a huge thing. Like left faction didn't get the deal he wanted supposedly. And then now just out in the wild skiing on blanks, like candied collection stuff, maybe, but like, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I just assume that it's going to be quiet, quiet, quiet. And then he'll launch it and blow up the world, like blow up the ski world. I don't know. That's yeah. kind of seems to be his style. Like, um, I mean, there's something to be said about that of like, I think like now the way that a lot of companies operate, they like tease, they tease yeah, for right. so long and like have this build up to the launch or whatever, where I can't, I mean, I kind of like his approach is like have everything totally dialed and like ready to go and then launch it. And then it's like, bam, game on. But I mean, whew, be hard, hard to start um profitable ski companies that's for sure yeah but there's like new ones every season now and it's like what do we need another ski brand you know what i mean like there's a lot man like like and nothing's that different no i mean that <clears throat> i mean ski technology is like the the most i mean the the shapes now are like they're pretty similar um yeah, for sure. And then when you get into ski technology of like what you're putting in and um to me that's like where the biggest advance advancements are left to be made is like uh like a lighter weight, more damp material, you know, the lighter your ski can be and um still skiing good like right. downhill that that's always going to be better, um stronger and stronger lighter all, all that sort of thing but to compete with a big brand that um on on those sorts of things is is really challenging for the for the little guys for sure but but i <clears throat> at the same token i think it's really cool i think it's just how yeah, right. your how your business like what what it, it is you actually want to do you know like i think back in the day you had like the armadas and forefronts that kind of wanted to like compete with the bigger ski brands where I think if you just like kind of like find your niche and like make X amounts of skis a year and you're going to be profitable, like you're not going to get rich, but you're going to like, you could make a like profitable living off of it. Yeah. And to me, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't know that there's anything really wrong with it. Other than like, yeah, more material into the world in theory, like more shit going on. Like it's another, it's another process that goes into the whole system that already is the fucking ski economy. That's as nuts as it is like, and doesn't make any sense for the most part, right? Like it's weather dependent and like year to year, there's just so much waste and so much bullshit that like just gets stored in a factory or in a warehouse or whatever, like because it didn't move or the year was bad. And then the inverse is true. We're like, you have a good year and it's, it's literally feast or famine. It's, it, it's funny. Like my, I had a family member that was working like, you know, in whatever upper management and CVS. And she was like, 
my parents were having a conversation with her that was like something along the lines of why are you always making money and we're not always making money and she was basically like well people need toothbrushes every single day right like you wait for it to snow and then expect to sell skis you know like it's it's a totally different fucking industry so then you go to these smaller brands and they're like it's just a big risk like imagine a bad snow year across the board on a launch year you know yeah totally i yeah yeah i mean it it doesn't feel like it's getting easier with um, no i mean you look at i mean this year like i don't know if it's finally snowed over there but it sounds like the east coast was <laughs> a bit it snowed, hurting it snowed literally like yesterday that was like the first like there's snow now but there was it was dog shit like yeah no, I'm glad it snowed, but it was, I mean, it's basically like Utah and California are having like the banger year, which I'm stoked yeah. for because like California needs it for like more reasons than, yeah. than just skiing. Um, and then it's just, I don't know. I, I always hope that it snows everywhere, but, um, yeah, Europe's definitely like hurting as well. I think, it, I think it's yeah. getting better over there now. Yeah, it's like everything that was weird is finally starting to turn on a little bit. Like, we've got some storm cycles coming, but it's like, like, I skied this morning, like, all day. And it's like, first pow turns I've had in, like, a fucking year and a half in New England, maybe longer. And you, it's still, like, they got a foot, maybe foot and a half, something like that. Like, decent amount of snow, but you're making one turn and there's just fucking piles of rocks underneath everything. Because it's the (laughs) first coverage on most of this stuff for the whole year. Yeah. It's crazy. So. I mean, I mean, but that being said, like somebody was telling me earlier, like even on Austria, like before Christmas, like the local resorts were breaking records for the amount of people that they, yeah, um, were going up. So it's like, I mean, it's uh, it's a a beautiful thing to be allowed to go out and go skiing and or not allowed to, yeah. but have the have the privilege of um, being yeah. able to do. You know, it's a it's a pretty special thing and. I mean, COVID really, like, imprinted that in our brains that, um, yeah, you know, if you're living in living in a city in a high rise apartment, like, COVID really sucked. And then, you know, we thought it sucked in mountain towns, but the reality is, is our life did barely changed. Um, yeah, we just couldn't travel as much. But like, as soon as you as soon as you got out skiing, it it just felt like life as as normal. Like you didn't have to wear masks and um, right. it was just, it was like really quite, it, it felt normal in a really strange, strange time. So, yeah. 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 I mean, for sure. Like, obviously like that was such a, such a nice thing for so many people was to be able to get out. And especially in the backcountry where it's like, you don't really have any limitation at all. Like the limitation is yourself and the mountain. And that's basically it at that point. But let me, let me ask you this though. Post-COVID, you mentioned, like, people living in cities and high-rises and stuff like that. Like, so many of those people realized, like, fuck this shit, I'm out, like, basically. And they moved to a mountain town and are working remote. Has that impacted things in Revy at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, it I'm impacted. Sure, right? Yeah, yeah, everywhere. I mean, I was, I mean, I was, we were sitting on the sidelines um, waiting, uh, <clears throat> kind of waiting for, like, a recession or a dip in the housing market to, like, buy in. <laughs> And COVID hit and I was kind of like secretly, you know, like, oh, like, sweet. Like, it'll be a great time to yeah. buy a house now. <laughs> and then like two months later, you're like, what is going on here? Like, yeah, this is crazy. Oh, yeah. And then, it, yeah, it went full bonkers. And then like 
luckily we ended up buying one like um which is where the farm is um and in 2020 and then like you look at it now and it's like doubled in price and you're like this is like this is so dumb like (laughs) like it doesn't this is doesn't like help anybody except for people that are like very very wealthy yeah and no i mean and and for revy um it really felt like we hit a whole new level of money um like not the like um the like kind of middle class or whatever we hit like crazy money like kind of like aspen vale whistler money yeah uh, we have like a lot of big, big houses being built now. Um, stuff in the millions is like flying off the shelves, and and it's and it's still being bought to this day, is my understanding. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it it it's it's all part of it, really. I mean, it's it's the resort yeah. town, and you can get upset about it, or you can. Um, I mean, I mean, I. I the thing that I think that sucks is it really jeopardizes your community. Um, right. And so you have to like figure out how, how you keep people that like really make the town what it is. Cause the, the community at the end is like the people um, that are there uh, working in the restaurants or owning the restaurants and right. um, all the hotels, like, you know, anyone in the hospitality and industry, um, you know, they're, they're the ones that are volunteering on the bike trails or uh, volunteering for these nonprofit programs. And, and that, that to me for sure is like um, the, the core of these communities. So um, it, but it's a challenge in any resort community. And, and I don't think that's anything new, you know, like I, I grew up. No. Yeah. Like I spent time in Canmore Banff area um, when I was a kid. And that, that was like the first place I moved after high school and, they, you know, it was all the same, same thing, you know? Um, yeah. People complaining about rent, people complaining about tourists. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's like a tale as old as time for sure. But it, it just feels like exactly what you said, right? Is like, you're losing some of the things that make the community work. Like, I don't know if the work situation is as bad in Canada as it is here, but like, it's impossible to find like, because no one can find a place to live that they can fucking afford. Right. So totally. you're like, you're watching stuff crumble kind of because you can't those things that need to happen to make a town work. And those jobs that people were like willing to accept so that they could be in a mountain town now have gone from being like, um, living ski bum lifestyle to like, I can't even come close to affording to live a ski bum lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just like the, I mean, recently like they came out like the living wage in Revelstoke, I think it's like 22 or $23 an hour now. Yeah. It's like you like that's a significant amount of money. Like I think the the um provincial minimum wage is more like just over 15 or something like that. Uh, like 15 yeah. 50 an hour. So it's like Yeah, I mean, life life's expensive and but but that being said, so like I moved <clears throat> I moved to Revy before the ski like the year before the ski hill opened. And so I watched some like pretty dark times in Revy, like the recession hit, um, like the sec that right after the first year that it was like open and 
people would start businesses and they could like they were just hanging on on like fishing line not even like shoestrings like yeah right barely barely making it happen and then people would like come for the winter and then they couldn't find work and so they would leave for the summer and you know it was a lot of years of that um of like really struggling and not making money either um so it's like yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know it's like it's a it's a it's a tough tough scenario there um yeah like that whole thing yeah, it puts everybody kind of in a weird, weird position because you don't want to be like, you don't want to be like old man shaking fist at Sky. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Like you don't want to be that person. But it's also like, there's, <laughs> there's got to be a better way. Like every time, like in our like collective group chat, it's always like one of us saying to the other one, it's like there's got to be a better way. And it's like this like running joke now because it's like we're saying this, but no one has a solution, you know. And that's that's exactly what this feels like. Yeah, I mean, I um, I mean, we're kind of going down a bit of a rabbit hole at this point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I mean, personally, I'm not a big fan of like Airbnbs. Like, basically, my thing is like housing has become a commodity, and I'm not so sure that that's a the right thing in this world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's not. That's nothing new. But it's just like. I don't know, like, this is, like, the basis of life is, like, shelter and food and um, yeah. w- water, and and I just wish that we could, like, facilitate that a little bit more, you know? Um, but, yeah. but then if you, I mean, they've gone through all this in Europe, you know? It's, like, there's a lot of people that don't own houses in Europe, and they rent, or, or there's, like, multi-generational mortgages, or, like, or at least households and stuff like that, you know? Like, um we just had a kid and i kind of fully expect by the time he's of age that he will be living with us longer than i lived with my my parents that's for sure Um, yeah like at the rate it's going by the time he's 18 it's going to be like two thousand dollars a month for a room you know it's like easily yeah yeah it's like how how do you get ahead at, at that that stage you know it's like a really hard hard uh hard thing so but yeah worry, Hind- worry about that later yeah exactly it's like the, yeah and also not necessarily our problem to solve like it's uh it's got to be a group problem to solve. like it's it's an everybody problem S- significantly above my pay grade <laughs> yeah, exactly by, by a lot um as are most things to be honest so um can i ask you then like you just had a kid like is there, is there a thought like of working in, like, if you look back at say your career, right? Do you, are you happy working in the ski industry? Right? Like, are you happy being a part of the industry? I, I mean, the short answer is, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, okay. <laughs> I never know what people are going to say, you know, like, because it's, it's a hard industry to get a, like, to make it last in as an athlete. I imagine it's even harder. And like to have sponsors and like deliver every single year, like you see people come and go all the time. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is going to be a long answer, but I've kind of just gone through this. Um, and it's like, there's been a lot of change in my life recently. Um, and so three years ago, um, I was like, definitely like searching 
of like what I wanted to do and all that. Um, and I, I wanted like a, a business or another kind of career that would like ease the monetary side of um, skiing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like skiing is like more or less for the last bunch of years has been my like sole income to it to a certain degree. Um, but I have done lots of like working all summer and construction and that's what pays for you to be a pro skier. So I mm-hmm. can definitely appreciate what a real job is. Um, <clears throat> but so th- three years ago we started this farm. Um, and so we just finished our third season. Um, but really two seasons ago we had a really good year and it was like quite obvious to us that this actually was a good path, um, financial as well. Um, we are still like, we're still at the investment stage of it, but we're like, okay, we we can make money at this. And so Mm -hmm. two, two seasons ago, I really like took the season to like, um, think about what I would like to do with skiing. Cause the, the last thing I want to do with skiing is like, hate skiing um and i don't want to and i don't want to get kicked out of the ski industry like kicking and screaming because i'm like (laughs) holding on to this this dream that i have and nobody else agrees with um and kind of what i realized like i took the whole season i was filming with blank at the time and i just kind of went out there with no ego and skied lines that i wanted to ski and um really had a lot of fun with it and kind of realized that I, I one really enjoy film skiing. Um, it's, it's such a unique thing. Like going skiing with your buddies is super fun. Um, but you largely like never like look at lines like really hard, hard. You just like kind of glance at them and you're like, Oh, I could ski this or whatever. And then you get to the top and you're like, I should have looked at that better. Whereas, like, when you're filming, you just, like, you get to the bottom of a zone and you just, like, dissect these lines. You're, like, walking all, like, I do it mostly ski touring now. And <clears throat> you're walking all over the zone. You're taking pictures. And um, and then you get to, like, execute these, um, this style of skiing that is, like, so much fun when you do it. You know, you... You don't hesitate on the cliff because you know you you know everything. Where as soon as you like don't know things, um, you're gonna right. hesitate. You're gonna stop on top of the cliff because that's smart. <laughs> um, right, right. <laughs> you, you haven't done the homework. So, so I really enjoyed that, um, and I, I kind of came out of that season, um, and and realized that there was like still more that I would like to do um, within skiing. And I still have like a, f- a few more film projects um, that I would like to to do um, and keep going with it. And then a big part of it for me has always been um, ski design or mm. not ski design, but um, just R&D in general. Um, yeah. And, and trying to work more with companies like that. And, and that like over the next bunch of years i think i'll probably start shifting into different things that i i do within the ski industry um but uh it's like at this point you you just have so much knowledge of how everything works that you you just kind of like it'd be a shame to like walk away from it all um yeah 
yeah there's a there's a really good like transition i think that is available now right that you're seeing people do more and more to do exactly what you just said right like that input is extremely valued from brands right now and it's like the the most prime example is ben chetler right like that's like a on the art side right but it's like and then you go through the like you can go through a laundry list of people like whether it's cody or uh, you know a million other people like having input in the skis that actually makes a difference and then like that builds into something post-career too totally yeah and and um yeah there you know when i started this like talking about things that have changed it's like when I started this, like what we wanted for skis and ski design and stuff like that was like quite a bit different than what the public wanted. It was like much more like ski racing where you have like world cup ski races or skis and, and like, like what we wanted was not what the public wants. Whereas I feel like it's really shifted into like what I want is exactly what the, the core public wants. Um, like they, they want similar skis. They want boots that walk well and ski well. Um, bindings that do the same. Like it, it's it's really like, um, yeah. I I feel like like we kind of all want the same thing. Um, and and then I mean that's kind of the fun part that I think about working with bigger brands is um, if you design these products that work really well for a lot of people, you're like influencing a lot of people all of a sudden. Um, yeah. And, and you're seeing like really big successes, um, which is like super fun and, 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 and motivating too. Like that, that's like, um, you know, I can design a, a ski that, that I'm like super stoked on and super passionate, but really I want to design a ski that like a lot of people are super stoked and passionate about um and yeah. and, ben, and the bench outlers have done exactly that you know it's like yeah it's, right. it's such a popular popular ski and skis really well yeah it's fucking everywhere and that artwork is so good that like every kid just wants it on his wall never mind like on his feet it <laughs> might as well be right it's like the same thing as like it, it's funny i see kind of like icelandic kind of paved the way with that too like where they're like they're putting this artwork like high level artwork on skis where people are almost just buying them for the artwork more than they are the skis. Right. And that's not the case with Chris's stuff, but it's, it is funny that that's people very much underestimate the level that like a graphic sells a ski. Totally. <laughs> Always have, for sure. Um, can I, let me ask you this then. Is there, is there a big gap at all now where like in terms of what you want, versus what the consumer wants, right? When you talk about like the marketability of a ski or like the, how accessible a ski is for the general public, is there a big gap from what you want to ski on versus what they want to ski on? Like stuff has gotten so good now. Like, is that, is there a, a reason that it needs to be different on a pro level versus the consumer level? I, I don't think so. Like, I, I mean, um, I mean, I would imagine maybe on like the free ride world tour, those guys, might want something that is not out there, but on my level, like, um, like, I mean, take the example of switching over to atomic air, like the Ben Chetlers get on them and they're wildly popular ski. And I've tried out so many skis now and you get on them and you're like, Oh, I get why everyone likes this ski and I'm loving it. So, um, yeah, I, I I mean, Um, 
the the one thing that I've like really found with with skis and and being a good skier um is I I should be able to get on a pair of skis and within like one or two runs really know the ski like whether it's a ski for me like if it's a carving ski or a powder ski or whatever like within one or two runs I should kind of like because I'm a good skier, I'll be like, okay, if I'm like forward, it's going to do this. If I'm back, it's going to do this. This is the sweet spot um, where it like likes to ski. And mm-hmm. the, the skis that do the best, that's what they are. All are like, like as soon as you, as, as soon as you get on like a high selling ski, they're all yeah. like that. Like you, you get on them and you instantly feel like you're like, Oh, I feel good on this ski. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And, and so, um, and that, that's, it's still like harder. I'm realizing it's like, I, I, I like, like to think that like, there's like not a ton of, um, left in ski design, but it is really hard to like nail a ski, you know, like you, you change it a millimeter here and a millimeter there and it yeah it matters. It does, it does wildly different things, you know? And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I've been talking a lot with the, atomic ski designers and and learning a lot from them um just with like flex patterns and um different different sorts of things so yeah um, yeah, yeah it's it makes a huge difference like i mean look at solomon for example right like you go and you look at the what the blank what like the change in the blank from like what the qst was it's like there wasn't it's not like something insane happened but the ski skied totally different totally different yeah no it's like a a different style of ski, I would call it compared to like the one eighteen. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. It's, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see how how much that the small differences because I think especially like you walk into a ski shop and everybody kind of hems and haws like, oh, it's marketing. This thing changed. That thing changed. And like to a certain extent, for sure, is a little bit of marketing. But like at the same time they're trying to dial it into the point where you get on it and you're like, this is perfect. Right. Like this is, you want that initial reaction from somebody. And because that feeling that day one feeling when they get on the ski and they figure it out right away is like what they tell their friends about. Yeah. 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 hundred, hundred percent for sure. Yeah. So, um, let me ask you a little about the atomic partnership. What, what was kind of like the decision-making factor? Like you're kind of moving to like Solomon's sister brand now. Like what, what do you like about Atomic? What was, what was one of the reasons that you were like, okay, this is a brand I actually want to partner with? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're like kind of a sister brand, but like, they're so different. For Um, sure. Yeah. Which, which I did. I, yeah, I was like curious at the start. Um, I mean, one's a French company and one's an Austrian company and, and it's like quite, quite stark differences, but, um, really the like yeah think things were kind of like i wanted to go like have a look see what was out there um and reached out to a bunch of different brands and um kind of what hooked me on atomic like right away was um the r&d side of things so my Mm. kind of role that i've been brought on there is like very much on the backline side of things um, and so we're designing a new backline 110, um, which I'm pretty fired up on. We've been doing like a lot of like 
kind of market research, like getting the, the, um, like kind of the, what's the, uh, the, um, key skis out there that we need to compete with. Um, Mm -hmm. and like what we want to design and it feels like we're all very much on the same program. Um, and so I actually have a meeting with them on Wednesday, um, to go over the first drawings that we've come up with. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty, that was like kind of music to my ears is to be like actually more design, like involved in the design process. Um, and they really wanted, uh, like a, a ski tour. Um, that's what I yeah. love doing. That's what I spend most of my time doing. Um, so that was also music to my ears. Um, yeah. and then, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like ever, it was not a shot in the dark, but like, like it felt really good. Um, they have a newer team manager there, Noah Wallace, and we yeah. got along really well. It was really awesome to like talk with him and just hear more about their company and like meeting, meeting the ski designers. I mean, I've only, we've done a lot of zoom calls. Um, so I haven't <laughs> actually met them in person, but, um, that, that's pretty awesome too. And just like, yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, all these brands, it's like very much, these family vibes. Um, yeah. but th- there's a lot of loyalty there. Um, and they've, they've been doing it for a long time. They have their factory right there. So they, they have this like wealth of knowledge that's like kind of blowing my mind too. Um, so I've like really enjoyed like learning about it, but also like applying what I, what I want to see, um, in kind of the ski that I'm looking for. Um, so basically, I mean, it's going to be a backland 110, but my kind of goal is to make it like the best 110 um, out there. So whether you're ski touring or not ski touring, you're going to be like stoked on this ski. Um, yeah. But it's it's going to be very difficult because I've been riding the 110 bent a lot lately. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really just good ski. Just make it a bent stuff. light. Just make it a lighter bent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take out the twin tip and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So, just uh, flatten it, make it a tiny bit lighter, and then go from yeah. there. L- let me let me ask you this then, and maybe this is controversial or not, but like, it seems like uh, so. I we've been talking, and I think everybody's been talking about the boa stuff in boots now, <laughs> in alpine and in touring, in some touring boots. Some brands have it, some brands don't in touring stuff um, for the lower shell. How do you feel about it? Do you like it personally? Is it a thing that you're excited about? Like, I, I think it's dialed in tech wise. Like, I think they thought about a lot of stuff people aren't realizing, but. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been fun to like watch it roll out. Like, I feel like the last like week or two, it's all being announced and all these different brands have bow on them. Um, I like last winter, it was getting pushed into Solomon. Um, and just like listening to people, like it was getting pushed on us and I was like, okay, well like send, send me a boa. And so I used it a bunch last year. Um, like I just mm-hmm. mounted it on, on a pair of my own boots. Um, and there's things oh, about it that, I, yeah. And there's things that I liked about it. Um, and there was things that I didn't like about it. I think the number one thing that I see people complain about is the durability of it. And that's, what we that that's what our point was was like nobody's gonna trust this and like let's get it on some boots and try it out and i i mean i didn't i ended up like not loving it um 
but I probably skied on it for like three or four weeks consistently, like went snowmobile skiing on it, kicked yeah. it off. Like I felt like I gave it a pretty good test and it like, I don't see it being any less durable than a buckle, to be honest. Like the, it pops yeah. right, pops right off and slaps right back in. Um, yeah. I, I never did like heavy boot packing and rocks. I'd be curious to see what it like that. Cause it does come off, yeah. but it is kind of annoying when it comes off. Right. Um, like it, you lose tension. And I think that's the only argument. And I mean, obviously you lose tension on a buckle, but the problem is you're losing tension on both. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like my like two things that let's, I mean, and this is like total honesty here. The two, two things that kind of killed it for me was, um, like at this stage and <laughs> stuffing my foot into ski boots for however many years it's been a, a lot. Um, I get really cold toes really quickly. So I generally, mm -hmm. I have like an ankle buckle, um, which I do up for ski touring. So I don't get blisters, but mm -hmm. largely I like don't have any pressure over my toes as long as my heels not, um no shit. okay as as long as my heel's not moving i'm not like too concerned about like what my toes are especially on the up and so as soon as you like have a buckle that's like tightening both like for me i found that when i got my ankle tight enough um it kind of made my toes cold um mm. so that was just like a personal thing more than anything yeah. um i would say like the fit on it is totally awesome like it really like cinches yeah. like a like a shoelace like it feels really good I, th I think somebody like i have like really high like uh like a high instep yeah um, same so buckles definitely don't feel great on it it's like always seems to be like right on my instep um yeah and they, they like really clamp it down um whereas this like really like like brought the two like the overlaps together really nicely. Yeah, like literally. That. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess my other like kind of complaint was um, like if I'm like skiing the ski hill, like I have my boots done up pretty tight. Like, yeah. Like they're clamped down. Um, and then when I get to the bottom, it's like the first thing I do is like release my buckles because my feet are normally cold. I mean, it all comes <laughs> back to cold feet for me. Um, and so when I did that with the boa, it really took like a long time to like do it back up to being tight enough. Mm. Yeah. Quite like, a bit of cranking. Whereas a buckle, you're just like, you slap it down right. and it's like pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. instant. But, but I mean like overall, I like durability, like all the things that everybody's like worried about, like durability and, um, I think the fit's incredible. I think I think it totally has a place in in boots for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like how you use your boots. I think is more of like the the question there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm interested. I'm interested. I mean, you see them release it on social media, um, and everyone's like, I would say, I feel like a lot of people were hating on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and to be and to be clear, it's like so much different than any boa you've seen out there, like the totally. Oh yeah, hundred like percent. To get through the wire, like you, like those little ones that are on like some of the touring boots right now, like the, yeah, like for sure, those things are pretty dinky. Like, 
but like yeah. to cut through the wire on this thing yeah i don't know you probably have other problems at that point um, yeah there's no way you're doing that naturally like there's there's absolutely no like the the boot will fail i think before that happens like i think it, it, christoph was telling me you can like hang a fucking chairlift off these things you know what i mean like yeah 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 no i believe it it's like it's a pretty thick wire so yeah i'm i'm like from like um i mean i think with like if you're interested in r&d you have to have like an open mind to certain things um and so i'm like really curious to see how it how it works for people and and what people actually think like when it starts getting out out into the wild yeah yeah we just like literally before i hopped on with you i posted like the full on like the nudes of the like little base piece that it sits into and then the rest of the bow shit and just like everybody in the comments is just fucking bashing on these things already and it's just like it's been an hour and i'm like but there's a lot of people that are like this is great but it's the point is lost because for me that that fit thing over the instep makes a big difference for me because my feet don't get cold right like it's not yeah and because i have heated socks like i'm telling you this is a thing that you need to like get out is the heated sock game man oh i i live in heated socks <laughs> no absolutely oh yeah no 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 like i would honestly like three or four four years ago when i bought heated socks i was like i kind of thought my ski career was like that's how i was gonna end it i was like my fear like (laughs) they're so screwed like it was they would get so bad every year like i think the three years like by this time like like a bunch of years ago by this time of the year i'd be only skiing when i had to because my feet yeah. were so sore and like it was horrible. It took the fun out of skiing. It really sucked. And he did like <laughs> heated socks, like <laughs> like changed everything. Yeah, yeah, one just one season of like not freezing my feet on a regular basis, and like my feet are totally changed. It's like it's a big big difference for me. But yeah, no, I think like the fit the fit on the bow is like it's way better than a buckle. Yeah. Like, buckles like really clamp like i really don't like the clamp yeah like yeah like, like it presses it's, down it, almost yeah no it totally presses down like it really presses down and like the boa really like gets that cinch um like it really like brings the two overlaps together like what it's really supposed to do i mean buckles do that a little bit like they kind of like they cinch them together but then at the end of the day it like really flattens the boot um yeah so, so I, I definitely like, I, I think it'll, I think I see a purpose in it and yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot of brands that are, or a couple of the brands are making options in both, right? Like, so people can have a buckle or a non, you know, and I think that's the right way to do it to launch, right? Cause you have the people that want to be part of the R and D where they're like, I want to find the problem, right? That's, yeah, that's totally. a lot of those systems that are out there or a lot of those types of people that are out there. So I don't know. TBD. We'll see what happens. But, but yeah, I think I think though, like it really, like if you're getting pressure points on the top of your foot, like a bow is like a really interesting way to go. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and, and to be clear, like ski boots are way. You're talking like a totally different game when you're talking about ski boots versus skis. Right. You know, like there is differences. Um, For sure. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's like you kind of have to go in, put your foot in a lot of different boots um, yeah. before, before you decide it. Um, like kind of what you've done. 
has that ever been a problem for you? Like where you're like, you're working with say Solomon, right? Like, and they don't have a boot that fits your foot. Yeah. That, that yeah. was a problem. What do you, what do you do? Like, what do you do at that point? Do you buy a <laughs> Lang and you paint it black? Like, I mean, what do you like? <laughs> yeah, I tried, I tried a bit of that for sure. Um, in the end I was in some really old boots. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really old boots. I mean, I'm definitely like, if you're, boots aren't working for you like it's skiing's not gonna work for you that's for sure you can yeah. have the you can have the best skis in the world and uh, if your boots if you have foot pain or your heel heels lifting it's like you're there's no way you can ski properly so yeah boots are a really tough one um yeah. <clears throat> i would say that's like more of like more so than skis like boots are like a big passion of mine just yeah. getting them, getting them dialed in, and um, yeah, it's crazy how much difference a, a good liner. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, like getting your liner dialed in, and and um, yeah, just just making sure that uh, your your heels locked in, I think, is like the most important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Manzer and the whole team at Atomic have been like killing like lately. Like, it's the boots are so good right now. Oh, you, you like, I mean, back to like things that feel good when you like instantly put them on, you put on an, like, I haven't put on too many atomic boots. You put them on, you're like instantly like, Oh, this feels pretty good. Like there's like yeah. not too much, not too much I need to do to this boot to like make it work. Whereas like some, you like put your foot in and you're just like, Holy cow. Like yeah. there's no, no way that I can do that so no they yeah. i mean yeah i mean mancer there is kind of a, a bit, bit of a boot legend that's for sure yeah boot nerd for sure it's like every time any anybody talks about anything boot related it's like that you can be sure shit that dude's in the comments like ready to be like this is actually how it is this is why it's like that like which is great and honestly like the three boot guys that I know well in like Tom P from K2 and Kristoff uh, from Fisher and Manzer are like, all three of them are like that, where they're just like completely obsessed with boots, right? And it matters. And I think it shows in the product, right? Like it gets better every single year since they've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, in my mind, like when you get into ski touring stuff, especially, you have to be that way these days. Like you have yeah. to be completely obsessed. You have to be going out there and doing it all the time. Like it, if you're not, you're not going to build a good enough product. Um, yeah. the, the, the quality is so high, you know, like when you talk about like doing a, a new boot design or a new walk mode or anything like that, like it's not like between patents and like different ideas is like you, like you have to be, like uber genius to like really fix those problems like we're not like we're so far beyond the basics at this point um which is like really cool like um you you have to you have to like pull out all the tricks i mean it's it's crazy like i'm skiing on that backland 120 the new like xtd and it's like it's crazy it's so light like so yeah. lights like really powerful amazing walk mode like it's like it's really fun to have like boots in that level you know like i mean like you talk about like things that have changed it's like 
like I know Hoji and I, we were on Trekkers for forever. Yeah. <laughs> like the Fritchies came out, the Naxos came out. We tried them. We we're like, these things are garbage. Like, yeah, <laughs> we don't want them. And we're just like walking around in like race, like race plug plug boots. Yeah, and Trekkers, and like luckily we were like young and dumb enough that we were and strong that it was okay but like i look back on some of the missions we did on those things and you're like holy cow like but then you couldn't get like a low-tech binding like you had low-tech bindings obviously but all the boots were so bad that you like couldn't ski down in them they were made for skiing yeah and i remember pitching like we i mean we pitched these ideas to like companies forever and they're like there's no money in ski touring there's no money in ski touring and then that all finally changed and i mean it's crazy what we have now you know like i i don't i only ever have one pair of boots a, a year like i i ski tour go to resort like everything i do it all in one pair yeah yeah That's you can now of, though yeah it's amazing and, and like combine that with the shift binding and yeah. like basically like I don't have a downhill binding anymore. I'm just like all like yeah. always everything's like I can tour on anything or go skiing and like that that's incredible yeah. to me. Yeah. So predominantly in like a backland and a shift. Yeah, like I, I use the shift like if I'm at the ski hill or whenever I'm filming I'm on a shift. And then yeah. whenever I'm like ski touring with buddies, like I'm on the uh the backland the yeah backline binding there which i used with solomon forever and absolutely yeah, love. Yeah, like, i mean that's like one of the best in that category for sure and definitely the best for the money like it's it's a fucking good binding so like yeah i, I can't say good things about that thing there's like forward pressure on it that fucking works there's like it's light it's easy to use like it it works yeah no i mean and that's like a good example of like r&d stuff is like i remember when it first first came out and i was kind of like ooh, like I don't know, like about this thing, yeah. and then like tried it, and I was like, quickly, quite quickly, was like, okay, like this binding seems really bomber, like, like really yeah. not having any issues with it, and that continues to this day. So it's like hard to get, hard to get away from it, you know. That just just simple. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, cool. All right, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Um, where where can people find you on the internet? If people want to contact you, if people want to talk your ear off about your gear or Atomic or picture, which you just signed as well, like any of these things, um, where can people find you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm most active on Instagram, just my name, Chris Rubens. Um, I mean, that gets posted to Facebook too, but can't check. I yeah. can't say I check my facebook messages very often <laughs> facebook has become myspace for the most part like it's it's like just completely i don't know most people are just off of it yeah totally no at least anybody I mean, that i know at least yeah yeah i was gonna say it's like i mean the kid the kids they were off it like years ago and then like people our age we were like slowly realized that like, <laughs> right facebook's not cool and then like my parents are like really into facebook now so <laughs> that's how it goes it just goes bit by bit yeah 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 um, um but yeah but yeah and then yeah i mean instagram's the best place and then i'm mostly okay. in revelstoke so 